When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Now the next day that followed, the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, While he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch. Go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. You may be seated. Greetings in the precious name of our Lord and Savior. Thank you for the introduction, and I'd like to add to that. I'd like to give special recognition to Alfie and Teresa and their family. <clears throat> That's where Natalie was staying the last year, and we appreciate their hospitality and all of y'all's also. We bring you greetings from Texas. As fellow, the brother mentioned, we are there serving with Choice Books at the time and um, come back to take care of some things. But we're glad to be here this morning, and especially on an Easter morning. It's a blessed morning outside this morning, and as I was driving over here, I had to um, just imagine that the morning, the clear blue sky, the cool weather, the green grass, the trees beginning to burst out, it must have been just like this. And I'm so thankful for what we have in Christ Jesus and what we can experience with the risen Savior. He is not dead. He is risen. Praise the Lord. The scripture that the brother read is, is kind of a background that I'd like to begin with. As we think about Christ arising from the dead and as we think about some of the things that took place leading up to the resurrection. And just maybe some surmisings on my part. But I just had to imagine as, as I was reading through this scripture and as I was thinking of leading up to the day that Christ arose. We all know how you know Christ was, had been buried in the tomb and, and Joseph had went and asked of the body, and, and Joseph had taken the body to the tomb, his own tomb. He had wrapped it with clean linens and spices, as was common in that day. And you can imagine Mary Magdalene and Mary as they observed Christ being laid to rest, someone that was very dear to them, someone that they had spent a lot of time with. 
And, you know, and as I, as I thought of how this must have been feeling to them, the idea that their precious Lord, someone that they have spent a lot of time with, and all of a sudden he's gone. And as I, as I thought of that and how that must have felt to them, I can just imagine the, the turmoil that must have been going on in their minds. But anyways, as we go down through Matthew 27 there, we know how Pilate told them, I want you all to guard that tomb. You know, they were, I think they were really worried that something crazy was going to happen. Someone was going to come steal the body because they remembered, I think, what Christ had said, that in three days I'm going to rise again. And I'm sure they were thinking, you know, someone's going to pull off some kind of stunt and, and they're going to take his body and it's going to look like his prophecy came true. But praise the Lord this morning, it did come true and it was not from the help of any man. It was because Christ was God and because there was a special plan in place. And because of that this morning, we can have salvation. We can have hope for eternity. But I just, it was interesting how Pilate said there towards the end of Matthew 27, he said, ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. And I thought that was interesting, make it as sure as you can. Because it's almost like in the back of his mind, he was thinking, I don't think you understand who this fellow is. I think he really knew that this was someone special. This wasn't someone that was just putting on a show. This was, someone, this was someone that was someone you could trust in, you could believe in. But he hadn't really brought himself to that. So, so they went and they made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting the watch. But it was almost as if Pilate was expecting something spectacular. <clears throat> Turn over to Mark chapter 16. I'm going to be reading a couple different versions of of the Easter story and making comments as we go along and, and then trying to draw it down into kind of our everyday language here and, and, and trying to draw some points out of what can I learn as a person in my everyday life and how, how I can use the resurrection to serve Christ. Mark chapter 16, starting at verse 1. And when the Sabbath was come, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And you can imagine here, like I had mentioned earlier, Mary, they were on their way. They went to, they were, they were going to take care of their Lord, someone that was very special to them. So they had came to anoint him. And you know, some things that they probably never even once gave a thought about was this tomb, the, the stone that had been placed in front of it was not just something very light. And you know, I don't think they probably gave much thought to how heavy this thing probably was. This thing was 
in a sense, guarded to the fact that there is no one going to be able to roll this stone away because we are making sure that Christ is going to stay put. So you can imagine they're there. They never gave really thought about up to this point who's going to roll the stone away. Much less the idea that there's probably soldiers there. Are we even going to be able to get close to be able to do what we want? And, you know, I can imagine, like I had mentioned earlier, they were probably in a lot of grief and turmoil and, and just thinking of the friendship that they had built with Christ over the last however, however long. And so all they could think about, like I said, because of maybe the grief, they had lost their Savior. And because of all this, they really never gave thought to a lot of these things. All they could think about was trying to give Christ a respectful burial and to pay their respects to Him. <clears throat> and so, you know, as, as we think about how they must be feeling at this point, and as they're walking towards the tomb, and, and just the whole, like everything surrounding this, it just must have been very, very much, or there's a lot of grief. But someone, I read, I read this here in thinking about people that are really applying themselves and putting themselves into a situation. I, and I think that's what Mary Magdalene and Mary, they were, they were, so, they were so all about Christ that they didn't give thoughts to a lot of things. But it says, they who are carried by a holy zeal to seek Christ diligently will find the difficulties that lie in their way strangely vanish and themselves helped through their difficulties beyond their expectations. You know, I think they were so, they were, they were thinking so much about Christ that these difficulties that seemed to lie ahead, that they weren't even thinking about at the time, that when it come to that point, it was like that was the last thing on their mind. All they could think about was taking care of Christ. And I had to think of my own life. Maybe you can think of a situation in your life where maybe you found yourself in a similar situation. Something had taken place and, and you know, maybe there was people that, um, you know, maybe leading up to a certain situation that you never once gave a thought about what could go wrong. All you can think about is doing the right thing. And I think, that's where, I think that's where these ladies were at. They possessed a faith that they probably couldn't even explain. And you know, how many times do I face things in life that except for the faith that I have in God, I really can't explain how I am going to make it through the situation that lies ahead. And that only comes because of our trust and our faith in God. That only comes with knowledge of who God is. That only comes with the knowledge and, and, and putting, putting into action what we have been taught and what God has spoken to us through His Word. All the ladies wanted to do was take care of their Lord. <clears throat> My question is, are you seeking Christ with that same zeal? 
Am I allowing Christ to infiltrate my life so much that I forget about everything around me except what is really important? Except what is really important in my life and my relationship with Jesus Christ? Or do I allow the worries of life, do I allow the worries of that big rock in front of the tomb, those soldiers standing guard over whatever situation that I might be facing, do I allow that to constrict me in my belief? I think often, as humans, we do. We allow things in life to keep that stone from rolling away. And it, it just handicaps us. There's, there's fear involved. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you're here this morning and you have fear of a large stone in front of whatever tomb it may be, I want to tell you, God is there for you. God will be there. All we have to do is trust. And it, God, has, God is not the one that brings fear into our lives. He may allow it. But what do we do when we are faced with something? Do we allow fear to handicap us? Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And that is such a great blessing that we as Christians can claim. It is such a great blessing to know that we can grasp a hold of God's infinite power and we can experience that in our own lives. Turn to Luke chapter 24. <clears throat> Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 1. Now upon the first day of the week, every, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and entered in and found not the, Lord, the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them, in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And returned from the sepulchre and told all these things unto the eleven and all and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and James, Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulchre, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. <clears throat> they get to the sepulcher. The stone is gone. There is no one in the tomb. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine how they must be feeling by now? Maybe, a, maybe feelings of 
did Christ rise? Or did someone steal the body? But we see as they peer into the tomb, and you can imagine they're, they're looking around and, and really just checking things out. And then the angel appears and, and, and the question is asked, why are you where the dead are usually buried? And you're looking for someone alive? Why seek ye the living among the dead? And he don't stop with that, but he said, he's not here, he's risen. He has arose. He has defeated death. And you know, then it probably all began to come back to them. You know what, that's right. He said that. In three days, I'm going to rise from the dead. I can just imagine the feeling that must have come over them. Probably one of, am I really seeing what I'm believing? Is this a dream? Or is this really reality? You know, I had to, I had to think of, and I've never really experienced this to this extent, and maybe some of you out there have, but have you ever got a phone call from someone saying, such and such is, is, is at death's door, it don't look very good. They're going to pass on in the next 24 hours and, you know, and on and on. And you begin to process that, thinking, what is it going to be like without having whoever around? How is it going to feel in not being able to talk to them? How is it not going to be able to? How is it not going to be feel to, to not be able to see them on a day-to-day basis? And you begin, in a sense, maybe a grieving process. And you know, that's, I can almost imagine that's probably how Mary and Mary Magdalene felt. Thinking of, how is it going to be not to have Christ around anymore? But you know, as you're, as you're experiencing that, and, and maybe an hour or two later, all of a sudden, you get a phone call, and it's like, they have made a complete turnaround, and they are on the road to recovery. And, it, and it, it's a feeling that cannot be explained. And I think that's how Mary Magdalene and Mary and, and whoever else was here must have felt. Christ was dead. He is alive. He is alive forevermore. And you know, as I, as I thought of how they must have felt, you know, the, I can just imagine they were pinching themselves and, and just trying to, to wrap their minds around what had just taken place. What was going on? <clears throat> I want to think that they didn't hold still very long. I don't, I don't think they just kind of ambled over to where the others were at and said, hey, did you hear about what happened? The Lord Jesus just, well, he just arose. I think they were excited. I think they were so full of joy, they could not contain themselves. <clears throat> and you know, I've, I've often had to wonder, thinking of myself, how many times as I go through life, do I face situations 
And I just, I have this preconceived thought of, of what is happening or what is going to happen. And I have totally lost the sense of what belief is all about. All I can think about is what the worst thing is going to happen and what, what, how, the rest, how the future is going to turn out. But you know, as we, as we look at these ladies here, I think they believed and remembered what Christ had spoken. Luke 24, 12 there, at the end of what I had, the passage I just read, we all talk about Peter. And you know, I think sometimes we're kind of hard on Peter. Peter has been one of them guys that, you know, throughout the time when he was with Christ, you know, he was just, he was all, he was all the, either all the way in or he was, you know, I just can't really believe what's happening. And I think that's what was, he was experiencing here. When Peter heard this, it's like, I can just imagine him kind of cocking his head, what did you say? And, and then it says in verse 12, it says, Then arose Peter and ran to the sepulcher. And so you can imagine Peter running to the sepulcher, and he gets there, and, and he runs inside, and, and he sees this pile of linens laying on the floor. And then he, I can just imagine he kind of turns around and just walks away and just is just trying to think, what happened? What actually took place? It says, He departed wondering in Himself at that which was come to pass. Christ was bound up in linens, grave clothes. Removing these was part of the resurrection. Bondage, bondage to the enslavement of sin will prevent us from being victorious in our Christian lives. And you know, as I thought about Peter, and as I compared myself to Peter, how many times have I faced situations like this? How many times have I had that spirit of unbelief? I see the clothes laying there. I see what looks like took place. But do I really have a spirit of belief? Or am I experiencing unbelief? And you know, as we think about them grave clothes, whatever them might be in our lives, are we leaving them behind or are we continually trying to hang on to them? As Christians, we cannot hang on to them grave clothes. We have to leave them on the floor and we have to walk away with Christ as our new life and Christ as our new cloak. We must move on, and we must experience the victory that we can experience through Christ. We must die to self. That is the bottom line. John twelve twenty four says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. How many of you 
is that an easy task to deal with? Dying to self. You know, as we drive through the countryside, we see a lot of crops, we see a lot of wheat growing. What would have happened if when every farmer would have planted their crop of wheat, and as that seed, that kernel of wheat went into the ground, and as, as time began to go on day by day, as the rains came, the sunshine came upon the earth, what if each one of them kernels of wheat would say, you know what, I'm not dying. I'm going to just stay like I was. Would there be anything growing above the ground? It takes death to bring life. It takes the idea of dying to self and resurrecting in Christ in order to be a new creature. In order to, to, to grow and to, to, to grow into a head and to produce more kernels of wheat. I have to die to myself. <clears throat> also, as I, as, I, as, I, as I thought of Peter in thinking of this whole scenario here, as I mentioned, Peter is someone that I've just always looked at and, and I've had to compare myself many times to Peter. Just had to marvel at Peter. One, at one minute, he's, he's slicing off a person's ear. The next minute, he is declaring that he will never forsake Christ. It don't matter what happens. I will always be by your side. And the next time, he's denying that he ever knew Christ. And now all of a sudden, he's here at the tomb, and like I said, he's, he's, he's wondering what is actually taking place. And you know, Peter is that prime example of open, ma open mouth and cert foot. And I have found, like I said, I have found myself there so many times. And, and you know, what can we learn from this? And, you know, we talked, I talked a little bit about unbelief. And, you know, I think what Peter maybe was, was presenting in unbelief, he was usually making up for in, you know, if I am going to do it, I'm going to give it everything I got. And, you know, like I said, I, 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 we tend to be hard on people like, like Peter. We tend to, you know, Peter's been one of them guys that just you could never... You could never predict what was going to happen when Peter was around. But I think Peter was one of them fellows that if he was on your side, he was on your side. There was no doubt where Peter was standing then. And you know, another thing I had to think about as, as we look at the ladies and, and as we look at Peter... You know, it's easy for us to take Scripture. You know, we've read different, different passages this morning about what took place. And, you know, we see the whole picture. You know, at that point, they were just looking at it and living it one minute at a time. And, you know, often, like I said, we, we tend to be hard on people like this. We tend to be hard on people in Scripture because we think, how could you not remember what Christ had said? Why did you have to put yourself through so much anxiety? Because Christ had said He's coming back. 
But how often do I find myself in them situations in everyday life? Someone said this, With Christ laying in the tomb on the Sabbath day, this signified the abolishing of the Jewish feast and other parts of the ceremonial law, and also gave the idea that God's people must be dead to such observances because Christ's resurrection signified a new beginning. Isn't that a wonderful thought? To know that whatever was behind, that is all past. With Christ coming, He has ushered in a whole new concept. The idea that we can come to Christ. It's no more going to the, to the altar and, and sacrificing a lamb, trying to please God with a sacrifice. But it's coming to Christ, just as we are, and barring ourselves to Him and saying, God, here it is. I'm all yours. <clears throat> John 19.30, Christ had cried out, It is finished. He rested on the Sabbath and on the first day of the week. Just as back in Genesis, God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Christ arose to shine into the old, dark, sinful world, a ray of light that would change the world forever. And I often think of that song, Alive Alive, alive forevermore. Isn't that a wonderful thought that we as Christians can experience the joy that can, we can have in our lives today? Because of Christ, nothing that I did, nothing that you did, it's only because of the love of Christ. Someone that was willing to go to the cross, but he didn't stay there. He allowed himself to be buried. But he didn't stay there. Praise the Lord. He arose. And we can experience new life today. I mentioned about the grave clothes earlier. And just a question to think for yourselves. How often do we go through life and find ourselves seeking life among things that are dead. You know, I think that's something that we probably should ask ourselves pretty regularly. What am I seeking in my life? What am I seeking in society that really is dead? Or am I seeking Christ who gives life eternal? Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> Very familiar chapters, one of my favorites. As we think about Christ rising from the dead, Colossians 3, 3 chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. This morning, we can have life in Christ. 
We can be risen with the Savior just as He arose thousands of years ago. And you know, if, if you're sitting here this morning and you profess to be a Christian, you profess to know who Jesus Christ is and that He is your Savior, if we are showing that with our lives, and if we are showing that we are pursuing heaven, where should our affections be? Verse 2 says, set your affections on things down here. It says above. Not on things on the earth. And I know we're human. We have bills to pay. We have life to live. Life is real for each one of us here. And you know, sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a, tough, it's a tough road to walk. It's a tough line to, to travel as we go from day to day. We have to set our affections on things above. Verse 3 goes on, For ye are dead. Are we like that kernel of wheat? Are we allowing ourselves to perish so that we can come forth in new life and have multiple grains on the head of the stem so that we can show others what resurrected life really is about. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. It don't say that we might appear. It says if you are risen with Christ, you shall appear. We can have hope of eternity because of what Christ did for each one of us. We can have that, that eternal life and we can be risen with Christ if we are willing and desire to follow Him. Question for each one. And a challenge I would like to leave with you today. A couple questions. Where are you at today? Have you shed your grave clothes? Or are you still wearing them? Have you left them in a heap in the tomb? Have you put your faith in Christ? Do you have a belief in the resurrection that only Christ can bring? So that we can have a belief that is beyond doubt. Because we know, I know, that Jesus Christ has arose. And that I can claim that. You know, we can, we can talk all day about what a great thing the resurrection is. We can express this all day long to everyone that's around us. But you know, it's, it's something that we have to live day in and day out. It's not something that I can turn on and turn off. Belief in Jesus Christ is an everyday walking in shoe leather and showing others His love. And I think if, if we are not willing to do that, then you are experiencing unbelief. And it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we can truly be set free and be risen with Christ. 
Turn your Bibles to, to 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> I'd like to go down through here and just pick out a few verses. Um, actually, maybe I tell you what, we'll just go ahead and read. We'll go ahead and read this chapter, starting uh, at verse three, First Peter chapter one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away. Reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith and through salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified before the suffering, beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desired to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your father, fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified yourselves in obeying the truth through the Spirit and to unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as a flower of grass. The grass withereth, 
the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is a word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The promises are all there. Are you claiming them so that you can say, I serve a risen Savior? God bless you for your attention this morning. Why don't we kneel for prayer, those of that are able. Our Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we can experience eternal life. Lord, we thank you this morning for the privilege of knowing who you are. And Lord, more than anything, we thank you that you didn't stay in the tomb. Lord, you resurrected. And Lord, this morning as we celebrate the resurrection, Lord, we, we, we cannot thank you enough for what you have done for us. And Lord, I just pray that as we go from here, Lord, that your word would find root in, in our lives and that, Father, we can show others your love. Lord, that we can spring forth as a stalk of wheat. And Lord, we can bear much fruit. Father, that your name would go forth and others may come to know you. Lord, if there is someone here this morning that does not know you as their personal Savior. Lord, I just ask that your Spirit would move among each one and that, Father, your Holy Spirit would convict, Father, that they could come to know who you are and what you can do for each person. Just bless the congregation here as they serve you, Father, in this community. Father, as they go in and out these doors, that they could show your love to those around. Just go with us. Give us a good day. Help us to serve you. In your name we pray. Amen.